أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله we reach this Mubarak eighth night of Ramadan the first Ashara is uh, almost over. Now we only have two full nights left. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us from his rahmah. وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَحَّابِ This world is in need of rahmah. This world rahmah is draining out of it day by day. And because of it, mothers and fathers are not showing any mercy to their children. And children are not showing mercy to their parents, and brothers and sisters are not showing mercy to each other. Uh, so who's going to show mercy to their enemies? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give uh, rahmah to us and uh, allow us to also be conduits through which that rahmah uh, reaches other people. Ameen. Uh, in the Salat al-Taraweeh, today our Mufti Saab who leads the Taraweeh, he read uh, he read uh, with his other Mulana Saab who was his partner tag team uh, the end of Surah Yunus and Surah Hud and uh, this Quran, to hear this Quran and to listen to this Quran is fail it's the outpouring of the divine grace onto the hearts for those who understand it and those who don't understand uh, but the fuyuf that come on the one who understands uh, are greater and superior to the fuyuf that come on the ones that don't understand and you have to you have to under, you know you have to appreciate what does it mean for a person to hear um, the stories of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam Sayyidina Harun alayhi salam uh, to people of a qawm that were enslaved and dejected uh, standing up to Fir'aun what does it mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes him being drowned in the sea? That this day we, we, we will save you, but not the salvation of the hereafter. We will save your body so that it can be a, a sign for those who come after you. Uh, what does it mean uh, to hear the stories of Ad and Thamud um, and Sayyidina uh, Hud and Sayyidina Salih alayhim salam Sayyidina Shu'ib and, and Madian that these people stood up to their aqwam and they had nobody with them uh, all they had was Allah but uh, you know if one of us were to say that to ourselves or someone were to say, to say it to us we would to our own friends and relatives say you're delusional you should save yourself um, what does it mean to hear their stories uh, it is a, itself a type of faith uh, that pours onto the heart of the believer that you know that it's possible that somebody can have this message enter into their heart and be able to proclaim this message as well and be uh, that broken, uh, enslaved person who looks eye uh, to eye with the oppressor and takes them on and wins. This is the message of the Qur'an. And the wonderful thing about the Qur'an is you can't change it because all sorts of people come afterward with this quote-unquote hikmah or that one or whatever. And uh, you can hikmah all you want. These are all the stories of the Qur'an. If you don't like it, deal with it. Uh, but it's not going to change. And this ummah needs that faith. 
We need people to listen and hear those stories and the anwar uh, of them to enter into their hearts. And indeed, the nur of hearing these stories entered into the heart of the Prophet wasallam and in the hearts of the companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And that's how they were able to look their Abu Jahls and their Walid ibn Mughira and their Umayyah and uh, etc. in the eye and uh, take them on and win. And that's how afterward the companions, radiallahu anhum, literally mowed the lawn with every tyrant uh, 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 from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Nobody heard about them. Uh, except for uh, they knew that their days were numbered uh, and nobody heard about them from the people seeking justice except for they had hope in them. And there are a great number of people in the world who still have hope in this ummah that are not from it. And uh, we need this this faith to enter into all of our hearts. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people who live and die uh, with this faith inside of our hearts and raise from the ummah people who have the backbone to take on the pharaohs and the hamans and the ads and the thamuds and the medians uh, uh, that have completely choked off and tortured this world uh, for long enough and may allah ta'ala protect us from being uh, bearded and hijabed and niqabed uh, 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 you know uh, fir'aun fan club members gold star premium uh, subscribers to fir'aun and haman wa junuduhuma wal billah so we continue uh, uh, uh tamim's Sunnat al-Jaliyah Fil-Chishtiyat al-Aliyah The The apparent and manifested Sunnah Of the of the lofty and noble Chishtis uh, Anecdotes of the Mashaykh And their explicit um, Their explicit uh, Pronouncements uh, Regarding the supremacy of the Sunnah Of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam In the Sharia uh, so we read Khaja Nizamuddin Awliya Rahimahullahu Tabarak wa Ta'ala A'la Allahu Darajatihi Relates that his Shaykh Khaja Fariduddin Shakar Ganj Rahimahullah said There is no dhikr or wadhifa greater than the Book of Allah It is of the essence that we should recite it as much as possible Because its spiritual blessings are more than anything else uh, Hakim al-Ummah, Hazrat uh, Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala comments, this is exactly in accordance with the Sharia and the prophetic way. This is in sharp contrast with the method of many ignorant Sufis who give more importance to the value of value of wadifas, of, of, of uh, litanies of, of du'as, which are important but uh, not more than the Qur'an, to, who give more importance to the value of wadifas of their particular Sufi orders uh, over the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, I would add... <coughs> There's a hadith Qudsi, uh, uh, which I heard so many times mentioned by uh, my own Shaykh, uh, Sayyid Nafis, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give him uh, uh, his mercy and forgiveness and uh, immerse him in rahmah, uh, who uh, would mention so many times the hadith Qudsi, man shaghalahul qur'anu wa dhikri am mas'alati a'taituhu. That Allah Ta'ala said, whoever the recitation of the Qur'an in my remembrance preoccupies them from making dua, from asking me for things. Uh, that person, while they're reciting that Qur'an, uh, on top of the reward of reciting the Qur'an, I give them the best uh, that uh, anyone who asked could have asked for. And so uh, the recitation of the Qur'an is truly, uh, you know, the highest, the highest of orad in uh, adhkar uh, 
for reasons including the ones that that, that we just mentioned before uh, coming into the uh, the reading for tonight, along with other ones uh, as well. And uh, this is something that uh, you know will be emphasized by the true mashaykh of tariqa uh, and anybody who tells you well you know like we don't need to do all of that stuff because we you know i listen to qawali and then uh, get up and start dancing or whatever uh, then uh, that person you know they're not they're not telling you what the mashaykh said they're not telling you what the mashaykh said and nobody's you know objects to hearing the ashar of the mashaykh and being moved by them but it, you know that's not your bread and butter. Your bread and butter is going to be the the book of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And if any reason is there for the poetry of the later Mashaykh being impactful, it's because of how uh, it reminds us of the the Quran, the book of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, not because of anything different uh, from it. Khaja Mu'inuddin Chishti rahimahullah Taala said, "One will never reach the court of the Divine Majesty except for through the Salat." Uh, and after this, he gave a lengthy talk on the virtues of the Salat. Hakim al-Ummah Hazrat Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala comments, The ignorant Sufis who claim to be followers of Khaja Muinuddin Chishti and deem Salat to be insignificant should take heed of this statement of their Khaja, of their Shaykh. And uh, uh, you know, Hazrat Tanwi says this also being a person who uh, considers Khaja Muinuddin to be uh, from, from the Mashaykh as well. And then there's a new subtopic uh, of the strict adherence, anecdotes of the strict adherence uh, of the Mashaykh to the Sunnah. Hazrat Khaja Bakhtiyar Kaki uh, relates, Hazrat uh, Khaja Khutbuddin Bakhtiyar Kaki from a place called Ash, which is uh, uh, an Uzbek-speaking city in uh, modern Kyrgyzstan. This is from the from the facade of the, the, the Russians that they drew the borders deliberately in order to you know, put a whole bunch of Uzbek speakers in Tajikistan and in uh, Kyrgyzstan and a whole bunch of uh, Tajik speakers in Uzbekistan, etc. Basically to split people up and um, make them gerrymander the lines in such a way that uh, no no cohesive nationality can form in one place. Khair, inshallah, everybody has Islam, so inshallah this uh, plot backfires on them. But Ash, uh, where Khaja Kutubuddin Bakhtiyar Kaki is from, is uh, in Kyrgyzstan. And uh, mashallah, a fun fact, a uh, Jamaat, like the Jamaat Tablih, Tablih Jamaat actually from Ash came to Dar Salaam one time. And I asked them where they're from, and they said we're from Ash, and I immediately remembered that uh, my Sheikh, Rahimullah Ta'a, told me that that's where Khaja Qutbuddin is from. So I said, mashallah, this is one of your forefathers, had fikr of deen, uh, and brought deen to our forefathers as well. And now you're visiting us for the same sake of deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And uh, a lot of those, uh, you know, brothers and sisters who are in the uh, former Soviet republics, are, you know, they're not really in, you know, in a great situation in terms of the government uh, laying off of them uh, for their deen. I don't know what the situation in Kyrgyzstan is and I'm not commenting on it in particular, but um, many of our brothers and sisters in Central Asia uh, in general, which includes... Uh, Eastern Turkestan, which is under Chinese occupation, they're not they're not doing well, and uh, it behooves us to make du'a for them and to send money in order to uh, support uh, their families as much as we're able to do so lawfully, and uh, uh, to lobby as much and push as hard as we can in order to um, be 
in order to, to, to do something to affect some sort of change for their protection and whoever has uh, the ability uh, to do whatever they can in order to protect them. It's a debt that, 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 that we owe them uh, because those are the people who brought deen to our forefathers and those Turks were the, the, the defenders of Islam, not just in the Indian subcontinent but in the entire world. Those were the armies that uh, defeated the Mongols. Those were the armies that defeated the, uh, um, the, 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 the Mushrikeen in our lands uh, where our forefathers came from. Uh, and those were the armies that, uh, uh, you know, protected, uh, uh, you know, uh, protected uh, Anatolia and the Ottoman Empire um, from attacks from the, from the west and from the north. And uh, their, 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 their forefathers did great service for Islam. And uh, we're now benefiting from their mouthful thought right now. It behooves us to at least acknowledge that debt and to uh, do whatever we're able to, even if it's very little. Uh, even dua is not a small thing. Dua silah al-mu'min. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that dua is the weapon of the believer. We should at least pray for them. And we should at least mention them and acknowledge them and not try to pretend that the problem doesn't exist. It does. And we should at least, you know, we owe them at least that much that, to just acknowledge that, that, that we owe them help. Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar Kaki Rahimahullah Ta'ala relates One time we were sitting with our honorable Khaja, meaning their, his Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Muinuddin Chishti, when the time of Maghrib arrived. Khaja got up to freshen his wudu and unintentionally forgot to make khilal of his fingers, meaning of to run his fingers through his fingers to make sure that he wiped the, 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 the part of the fingers that touch each other. He heard a voice from the unseen saying, O Honorable One, you make claims of love for our Messenger Muhammad وسلم, and consider yourself from his Ummah, yet you abandoned his noble Sunnah. After that, Khaja took an oath saying that he would never leave out of Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, until the day he died. Um, Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar further narrates, that I was with Khaja, with meaning our Sheikh Muinuddin Chishti, one day and I noticed that he looked very concerned and depressed. I asked him how he was feeling, to which he replied, since the time I had forgotten to do khilal of my fingers, I have been worried about how I will face the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and the Master of all creation on the Day of Judgment. Hakim al-Ummah Ta'ala comments, notice the amount of fear and concern felt by Khaja due to forgetting uh, the khilal of his fingers, which is not even an emphasized, not a mu'akkada sunnah, it's uh, mustahab, it's a light sunnah of wudu. Can it be conceivable but that such people will be uh, neglectful of the sharia? This is an interesting story for a number of reasons. One is that, see how he took the sunnah personally, that he remembered the date he's going to meet the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and thought about that day and thought about the sunnah that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam delivered to us that it's going to be an embarrassment you know if you meet him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you expect his shafa'ah and you left his sunnah out like how 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 embarrassing will that be uh, and that's one problem I think that people they don't feel any sort of tied to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam like as if they're strangers or if the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was somebody who just like وَلِعِيَاذُ billah, like you know someone who just did something pro forma and it wasn't out of love um, you know 
the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I don't know if you noticed. If you haven't, maybe you should read the Sirah again. Um, he wasn't personally recompensed for anything that he did. Rather, he passed from this world with very little. And in general, uh, his concern and worry for the ummah um, was something that didn't seem to have any sort of worldly recompense associated with it. That he would pray in the night until his feet would swell. And the people who would listen to his du'as would hear that he is concerned about the ummah. That he would cry and weep for his ummah. That Sayyidina Jibreel salam, he would cry and weep for his ummah and ask, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them. And that he would be you know, distraught when meeting Jibreel alayhi salam after hearing that some people from the ummah would go to Jahannam. And he wept ceaselessly after that. And then Sayyidina Jibreel came back with the glad tidings that, the, that Allah ta'ala saw your broken heart and gives you the concession that that nobody from your ummah will go to Jahannam forever and that uh, uh, all of your ummah won't be wiped out at once. Rather, if Allah is to punish them, He will preserve part of them and send His punishment down on part, uh, etc. These, you know, that all of His uh, du'as that He would make that for us, that wasn't something He did for like, for some of the sort of pro forma job description. That was out of love. And if that's not enough, on the Day of Judgment, his shafa'ah is what will get people into Jannah, uh, saint and sinner alike. And that's, again, because Allah made him to love. And just like Allah made your mother to love you and your father to love you, and like people who loved you, you know, he made them that way, and then you love them back. Uh, Khaja has a, a, a personal connection with the sunnah that he felt ashamed he remembered that day that he's going to meet the Habib sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what is he going to say that he wasted his sunnah um, and the second thing I wanted to note was that a similar story like this happens to Fudayl bin Iyad rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala that he in his wudu he washed one of his limbs twice instead of three times then he saw in a dream the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam say to him lovingly my son I didn't expect this from you uh, and uh, again, washing the limbs three times is n- not nearly farth. Um, uh, and and it's, it's not even a sunnah mu'akkadah. Uh, but Khaja uh, Fulayl uh, bin Iyad was so mortified that uh, he uh, would read for some time after that um, uh, 100 or 200 raka'ahs of nafil as a kafara, as an expiation for his oversight. And, uh, you know, Someone might say about Muinuddin Chishti that maybe this is some sort of tall tale of like Desi people or whatever. Um, if you do, that's a zulm on your part, and uh, uh, I don't have anything to do with it. But if someone does, they do it. You know, like, what can you do about it? You're not going to be able to say that about Fudayl bin Iyad. He's literally a narrator of Sahih Bukhari. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ties with those people who love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and who the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loves and who love Allah and who Allah loves. Sheikh Ruknuddin mentions about his master and spiritual mentor Shah Abdul Quddus Gangohi, Ta'ala, who's an ancestor of Malana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi, but uh, uh, like from from centuries before the establishment of the Darulum in Deoband. Sheikh Ruknuddin mentions about his master and spiritual mentor Sheikh Shah Abdul Quddus Gangohi, Ta'ala, 
that my honorable Qutb, meaning his Shaykh, was so adherent to the Sunnah and Sharia of our Master Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, that he would not lapse in its injunctions internally or externally in the least, even in regards to others, if he noticed that they transgressed the Sharia or Sunnah in any way, he would announce that he's absolved of them and cut off all ties from them. He would also not allow them to come close to him. Shaykh Ruknuddin said, My honorable Qutb, even in his extreme old age, would perform 100 raka'ahs of nafil on the night of bara'ah and stand in full taraweeh prayers in Ramadan, complete all his morning and evening wadha'if, and he would not miss a single day of this routine. He was also very strict on the path of azima, uh, on taking the harder route when uh, faced with a choice between difficult and e- difficulty and ease. He was very strict on the path of azima and was not concerned with uh, uh, resorting to concessions. This was especially so if it were raining or if there were a winter storm, for in these instances he would exert himself against his nafs and perform proper ablutions and even more prayers. In short, it was so astounding how Hazrat would implement the sharia to such an extent that his works seemed to be beyond the ability of a normal human being. and, you know, Shabl Qudus Gangohi seems like a very interesting personality. If you read, I mean, there's uh, a separate tabaqa about him. I believe that, uh, uh, I'm not 100% sure if we had it, if we talked about him in one of the previous majalis uh, in the previous years. If not, we should. But uh, uh, he's he's a person of remarkable spiritual insight. But that's how you become that person. Uh, because every sunnah of the Prophet wasallam is like a key that opens another window to the uh, spiritual world and without it you're completely shut out you know without it your 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 uh you know conception of spirituality is limited to listening to episodes of the joe rogan experience or jordan peterson or some of this other buckwas type stuff that uh stands in for uh, uh you know pseudo spirituality maybe you know like hitler giving bayan for like two hours straight without blinking or whatever it's shaitanic spirituality that people have um without the sunnah it's all khabith Hazrat Khaja Uthman Harwani rahimahullah ta'ala said, Food was being prepared to be brought. So Hazrat Khaja, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlighten his grave, uh, uh, said, uh, Place the food on the, on the, on the dastar khan, on the table spread, and we will eat of that. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not partake of his meals upon a table and chairs, though he did not forbid it either. Therefore, if someone does so, there is no harm. But the Messenger of Allah وسلم, his companions and his noble family, Allah be pleased with them all, all always ate uh, upon the spread on the floor, and we will do so as well. Hakim al-Ummah Hazrat Tanwi rahimullah ta'ala uh, comments, notice that even the Shaykh considered it per- permissible to partake of meals on a table, due to it not being from the way of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he did not adopt it as a practice. This clearly shows their high level of reverence and adherence to the sunnah of the Prophet And this is another important point, which is what? Is that uh, the Sufis understood, again, that every sunnah is a, uh, a key to opening a window into the unseen and into receiving the fuyul of the Prophet وسلم, uh, those fuyul through which uh, uh, the yawm al-qiyamah is held at bay and there are still some barakah maintained in this world. And so they don't look at it with a legalistic angle. Uh, otherwise, if the Prophet ﷺ himself, it was a sunnah to look at everything from a legalistic angle. 
then uh, uh, there would be no need to f forgive or to strive in Allah's way. The world would have been over uh, because of one dua from him. Rather, Allah Ta'ala sent him as a mercy, and we benefit from that mercy. Uh, and it behooves the person who benefits from that mercy uh, to pay it forward, uh, rather than to be selfish that when someone does something against me, I make dua against them and don't forgive anyone, and I'm never going to forgive you, and I'm never going to... I hear these things from people. It's not good. Not necessarily because everybody deserves forgiveness. Sometimes some people deserve not to be forgiven. But it's not about them. It's about your connection with Allah. It's about your connection with the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when you think of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you still say to someone, I'm not going to forgive you, then you're, you kind of missed the plot. Uh, otherwise, Allah Ta'ala said about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Allah Ta'ala is not going to destroy them as long as you're amongst them. Uh, and there's a great secret in this. That the sunnahs of the Prophet are a source of mercy even for the enemies of Islam. Uh, and the uh, presence of the Prophet is a source of mercy even for the enemies of Islam. Uh, and there's undoubtedly some hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in us even being spread throughout the nations as diaspora. That there's someone in Lombard, Illinois praying salat al-taraweeh. And, uh, you know, uh, somebody in, uh, you know, whatever, Iowa and... Indiana, even India, even Ohio, even Ohio has, mashallah, there's mercy in Ohio. Hard to believe for those people who are uh, uh, familiar with the Ohio, uh, great state of Ohio, but mashallah, you know, there's some, there's some hikmah in all of these things as well. It behooves us to be people who carry that, that state with us and forgive one another, not because we, you know, we deserve forgiveness, but because uh, Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that was their way and we benefited from it as well. And uh, only a punk is going to benefit from something and then not pay it forward. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. I think there's a new subsection that's starting up. Instead of diving into it, we can cut today's majlis short. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revive the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa amongst us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revive the shawq and the longing and the desire of that sunnah amongst us. Allah Ta'ala give us the desire even if we don't forgive one another at least that we should desire to be people who forgive one another even if we're not people who make our wudu correctly like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did or pray the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did or dress the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did or eat on the Duster Khan like he did Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or any other sunnah uh, no matter how great or how small one may think it is every sunnah is great although some are greater than others Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala bring every one of them large and small first into our hearts and there's no harm in bringing it into your heart into loving it inside your heart and inside of your heart accepting it as being superior to all other ways once that happens then you'll see uh, slowly but surely uh, uh, the impediments and obstacles to following one sunnah after the other will break down as long as you think of it as something optional or uh, you know, something that, you know, you're very smart and clever and you'll pick and choose whatever part of it you like or whatever. It's not going to happen. Islam itself is not going to happen. Farther is not going to happen. Uh, you know, it's hard to pray five times a day and fast and to stay away from riba and stay away from zina and stay away from all these things. They're difficult. They're very difficult things to do. And, uh, uh, you know, if things are not right inside, uh, you're not going to be able, you're not going to make it. Just open your heart up to something better. 
when you open your heart up to the Sunnah of the Prophet that's when the fuel pour in, when the nur pours in, when the barakah pours in, when the madad pours in, the tawfiq pours into your heart. And then you're able to do those things that normal people aren't able to do. Uh, but until then, we're just fooling ourselves. So, be a loser like me. Admit you've lost. Give up. Join the winning team. Everyone wants to do things their own way. And uh, you know you're not going to beat Allah Ta'ala. So just give up and join the winning team. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, and I'm not really perfect at it. But it was the best decision I ever made. Anything good I ever had, I received from making that decision. And um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq to make that decision and live by it and die by it. And if we give ourselves up for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't be surprised if one day Allah gives you a you better than the you you gave up in the first place. Allah ta'ala give tawfiq. Sallallahu ta'ala rasulih sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.